0: I had sushi this weekend. Wow. How was it? It was good. You're I, not the only person who had sushi this weekend. I was surprised. Luke, Lucas Black also had sushi. Yeah. Well, see, it was funny. I watched that, and then we went to go get sushi. Nice. And then to an Asian cafe. Is this your first time eating sushi? And Yes. I- To a supplemental reading of the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I'm Wheelman Henry, and I'm Stick Shift John, and together we're coming at you in our cars that are fast and furious. How's it feel to introduce a supplemental reading, Henry? I've never done this before. I'm very nervous, and I just really want to get to the hard and loose. The fast, all of my adjectives are in a row. I just want to get into the nitty gritty. I want to put that gears in the shifts. Uh Uh-huh. And let's get us started to talking. (laughs) Okay. About this Tokyo's drift. Oh, nice rhyme. Very good. What did I rhyme? Gears into shift and let's get talking about this Tokyo drift. You know, I didn't even plan that. That's how good I am. All rhymes are spontaneous. You might want to hit them with a supplemental reading disclosure. As with every supplemental reading, we are going to cover a media thing that came out... I don't know what it... You hit it! (laughs) So with uh, every supplemental reading, we uh, discuss something that we think is important. And in this case, I guess it's Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Number three in our uh, line of We Weren't Kidding podcasts where we do supplemental readings of every Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, now, of course, it's starting to get a little bit more serious, because since we do talk about these movies openly, uh, we will be discussing things freely, we'll be spoiling things. And this movie came out in 2006, which I believe puts it at, what, 12 years ago? Yeah, 12 years ago. So, yeah, so 12 years ago, this movie came out, so it's getting... We're reaching modernity, and as we approach modernity, you must be ever vigilant, Oh yeah, because we spoils. There's there's no spoilers, because you've seen it. Yeah, you've seen it, and uh, the best experience is watching it along with us. And as always, and by always I mean established last week for Too Fast, Too Furious. Hey, I was going to do this part. Oh, please, feel free. This episode is brought to you by Coronita Extra. And for those of you who don't know, Coronita is the half-size version of Corona. Which is only seven fluid ounces in a comically still tall bottle. Yeah, it is a long necked slim boy, which is also uh, the name of my fursona. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, uh, the reason why it's Coronita this week and not Corona is not, it has nothing to do with me accidentally buying the wrong thing at the supermarket, and it has everything to do with. There's only a little bit of Fast and the Furious in this movie, and so it only gets a little bit of Corona. Yeah, there's a very minor amount of Fast and the Furious, and so Tokyo Drift is uh, really so far as someone who has never seen these movies before. I'd seen Tokyo Drift before, by the way, on Showtime years ago. That's amazing that this movie was on a TV it really was. It was on my TV this weekend. Now, uh, I want to do a quick shout out to, and this is, this is just some housekeeping. You can cut this out if you want to, editor. Uh, but I want to give a quick shout out to the Austin Public Library System. I put out an interlibrary loan for the Fast and the Furious collection on Blu-ray. And they had that in my library in two days. The reason I did this is because Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift is not available to rent through any streaming service. Yeah, you must buy it. And that was a bridge too far. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, you can't just skip over Tokyo Drift. It's got implications. It's got connections and threads. At the very end of the movie. <laughs> at, the, at the very end of the movie. Uh, and I think that, you know, we, we definitely want to give some time to the... We're going to build up to that. To the to the production of Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. So Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift is a German-American uh, act, sports action film. Every, everywhere it looks as German-American. Not sure why. I don't know either because it was directed by Justin Lin. Yeah, it was directed by Justin Lin, who before this had directed a film called Better Luck Tomorrow, and I don't believe that he directed anything else before directing this, though he did go on to direct Star Trek Beyond. He did Star Trek Beyond in three episodes of the hit comedy series on NBC, Community. Okay, so continuing, well, maybe starting the trend, rather, of uh, (laughs) writers and directors of Community going on to make great superhero movies. Thank you, Chris McKenna. Thank you. Uh, so, Justin Lin directed this, which starts, and I want to be clear here, for the previous two films, uh, and including the short, the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious, every feature Fast and the Furious film in the FQ that we have, uh, supplemental reading, it has had one director, and then it moves on to another, passing like a Dread Pirate Roberts kind of situation. But Justin Lin starts a neat little trend where he takes the reins over the next couple of movies. Justin Lin, I believe, directs 3 through 6. I believe you're right. And uh, with Justin Lin's uh, introduction into the franchise, you really couldn't ask for an odder jumping-off point because Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift is, and I will say this, the most perplexing movie I have seen in recent history. Yeah. This is a thing... Each of the entries in the Fakuyu so far have been sort of a hybrid beast. We had like a high octane drama. Yeah. And then we had a high octane action movie. Yes. And now we have a high octane high school anime. Yes. Which is exactly what That's it is. That's what it is. It's exact. Letter for letter. This plays out basically like the first three episodes of your standard like high school anime. Now, I don't want to recap... Down to the uniform. I don't want to recap the plot of this movie at all, because we know how bad that can be. But I just want to say, the beginning moments of this movie, and I just want to set up kind of elevator pitch style what this movie does. It shows that Lucas Black, as a Sean... What's his last name? That's a wonderful question. Boswell. I did not pick up his name was Sean. Yes, his name is said maybe five times in the whole movie. I was toward the end of the movie that kept calling out for a Sean. And as we were in Tokyo, I imagined Sean being belonging to the white person. And I don't know what if that is that racist. His, so his name's Sean, played by Lucas Black. Uh, now, now I, I have to congratulate. The fuck you? Mm. Because just we had just seen Brian O'Connor for two straight movies. Yes, and we were just thinking this, of course, must be the lowest humanity has to offer uh-huh. in terms of charisma, charm, mm-hmm. and like being an overall person. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, they found Sean Boswell, who is a plank of wood so he he is an interesting character in that he he really adheres to the school of character writing of if you're not going to make a character interesting at least make them a psychopath yeah yeah he he has a serious addiction problem he (laughs) he has a serious addiction problem to street racing but i just want to say just elevator pitch for this movie which is the most bananas thing I can even imagine. And some of this is explicated on later. But, uh, so the movie starts with this very laborious kind of slow-mo uh, Sean Boswell going into his Arizona high school. And this is a high school. This is a high school. Now, they have metal detectors at the gate. Now, from looking at everyone in this movie, it's obvious that these people are older than high school age. Everyone's about thirty-five. Yes. Do you know how old Lucas Black is as he is portraying eighteen-year-old Sean Boswell? Wait, wait, do I the actor? Do I know how old the actor is? Yes. Portraying an eighteen-year-old, and I'm gonna. You want me to go really high, but the truth is, it's a miracle. This guy's eight years old. Uh, he's actually twenty-two. Way closer to the age than he looks. Wow. That's that's almost I mean, you're within five years. Yeah, it's kinda close. But anyway, it it's this very laborious shot with this like weird car paint hazing thing in slow motion for no reason. Uh so this movie starts with a bang. Because the inciting incident to start this movie is that uh Sean Boswell is challenged in a kind of uh, high school machismo contest by, wait for it, Zachary Ty Bryan. The kid from Home Improvement. That's who that was! Yes. hold the oldest brother! The oldest brother, Zachary Ty Bryan, plays the captain of the football team. And he still had his chubby cheeks. He still has his chubby cheeks. So he plays the captain of the football team. The captain of the football team, after exchanging words with Sean Boswell, decides that he must do the most football thing of all and throw a baseball in his car. That was one of my notes. I was like, where did he get the baseball? Yeah, so he throws a baseball at his car. They race, and this movie, uh, it really, it like I said, starts with a bang. It sets out expectations for its female characters very well by having them just race for ownership of a woman. I was about to say, the st- <laughs> they started with the established stakes. I only race for pink slips. Yes. This 18-year-old knows about the exchange of pink slips, and then they raise it. To human, yes, <laughs> human possession. I have that exact same note. I said stakes are raised. We went from pink slips to racing for humans, and not to belabor the, the the premise, but this is it's a full twelve minutes before you get the payoff. Yes, they race, they get in trouble. The rich kids who are played by the home improvement kid and who look like I don't know Maggie Gyllenhaal, but isn't sure. They get off of a slap on the wrist, but this is, is Brian, that's not his name, <laughs> is Sean, Sean Boswell's, like, third strike on his driver's license. It's, he, it's his third strike, so, you know, there's a typical punishment for a third strike. Banishment to Japan. <laughs> I know, this is such, this is the weirdest, this is one of the, the most, like, the biggest gaps in logic. Like, he, he's underage, he's got a driver's license, and they're like, you could face some serious time like what in juvie? Mhm. Yeah. Uh, or or your license could get suspended. They they keep saying, "Oh, you don't want to go to juvie hall or worse, prison." So he is sentenced t- to a banishment. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize local law enforcement could banish could could exile people to their army dad in Japan. Yeah, so apparently that's the best place he could go. And uh, so when they send him to Japan to live with his overbearing, very very stereotypical army dad. Who's actually in the Navy. Navy dad. Yeah. No. Oh, that's one of my favorite things about the movie is that this movie, if nothing else, is a masterclass in visual storytelling. So when his dad shows up, they're like, man, I don't know if people are going to get that this dude's in the armed forces, which is why he's in Japan. Better make him wear a Navy shirt. Well, you know, you know those army types. They're always wearing the the logo of their employer. Yeah, it it's it's very it's it's a very silly premise. Uh, I do find though that when he gets to Japan, whoever the director of photography is for this movie, creates a lot of really beautiful establishing shots of Japan. Yes, no, like one of one of my favorite things about this movie is that if they're driving for more than let's say two minutes. They're going through the main square of Shibuya. 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 Yes. Can't say it. Shibuya. Shibuya. Yes. A- every road, like he lands from the airport, he's got to go to his dad's place in a taxi through Shibuya. Yeah. They're they're in a car chase running from like the yakuza's nephew, mm-hmm. go through Shibuya. Yeah. Even during like a cr- you know, people are filling the crosswalk. Which is a very famous thing. Like, everyone walks through that square. Yeah. And now we're going to drift through it. It's like Times Square. Uh, But that was... I feel like uh, this movie... Too Fast, Too Furious to me felt like it was uh, one-upsmanship. It took the previous movie and it added stakes. Uh, Tokyo Drift, to me, and maybe this is an established thing that continues, feels like brinksmanship. It is less so one-upping and taking to... A ridiculous extreme because not only are we now racing for women, we've introduced drifting. Uh, we've introduced cars that don't look like total shit anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these are some good-looking cars, except except for uh, Bow Wow's car, which is yes. I guess to each their own. Uh, now, I looked in the cast list, the cast list, and uh, Bow Wow. It used to be Little Bow Wow. Yeah, he graduated from Little Bow Wow mm-hmm. before this movie, and now he is just... He's just Bow fully Wow. Fully-fledged Bow Wow. And now he's just Bow. <laughs> and pretty soon he'll just be B. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Little ba- Not Little Bow Wow. That's... Just a- Bow Wow. Just Bow Wow. Bow Wow's character, his name in the cast list is Twinkie. And people call him Twink. I cannot, in the movie... Every time someone said, "Yo, Twink," I was like, "What? Is that his name?" I looked it up. It's Twinkie. It's Twinkie. I don't think there is an instance in the film where he isn't referred to as Twink. when he first introduces himself to Sean Boswell, who's, who, who's got chop, who knows how to use chopsticks, which is one thing, and also kind of like sushi. Yeah, and also is trying a sushi thing. And then the army brat Bow Wow comes in, Twinkie. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you, you can't, you don't never know if you can trust the food, dog. On mm. Twinkie, do you want a steering wheel? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they go to Bow Wow's car, uh, which is the worst. It is, uh, it looks like a Scion XD with like the Incredible Hulk busting out of it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's amazing. It's... Like, this is the first time in universe, that this movie does a lot of first things, by the way. It does. But this is the first time in universe we can see somebody who wants to customize a car. That has bad taste. Yeah, this is the first time where someone looks at a car that is customized and goes, Oh, that's actually terrible. One one of the, one of the things that I really want to talk about is whereas the previous uh, entries into The Fuck You had attempts at humor, mm-hmm. this movie is the first movie to have the humor land. Yeah, th- there are a few moments that genuinely feel pretty funny and they feel intentional. Uh, and I think that... Uh, maybe a lot of that is owed just to the actors, but I, 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 th- I definitely want to give them props, everyone except Lucas Black. Well, yeah. I, one of the, the one scene that I wrote down where it's like, there's humor in the movie, is the car carousel where they're going through. They're, yeah. It's like cool car after cool car, mm-hmm. and Sean and Bow Wow share looks, and, and like that just that interaction right there. Yeah, And then when it's the Hulk car... And, like, Bow Wow is, like, losing his mind. Twinkie mm-hmm. is losing his mind over the car. A car that he's seen many times. Yeah, he's, he's a big fan of his car. It's really great. It's, it's really funny. That's uh, the most human that we have seen the fuck you be. Yeah, I feel like this movie definitely has a, a decent amount of humanity going on. One of my favorite pieces of humanity is what I like to call Lucas Black's disappearing accent. Oh, you mean how he starts off with a real hard twang? He has a very, like, borderline offensive Alabama accent. Yeah. Alabama in quotation marks. Uh, and he's like, I like to race. You, you race. Uh, but he'll (laughs) lose that. The sec, the, the sign of a character my ride. My ride. My ride. Wabaki. Wabaki. <laughs> yeah. Uh and uh also crazy that this kid just gets sent to Japan like just fucking go to school. What what I love is that yeah Japan and America have strong relations. We might have a base there. I don't think we still do. We I, I I'm not sure. We yeah, we do. We do? All right, so then there's a tradition of like army brats mm-hmm. going to Japanese schools. Yeah. Why would they not send him to a school that is English? <laughs> there there's a few people there who are clearly expats, but they send him to classes where they're just speaking straight up Japanese. They she was teaching math. Yeah. She was teaching math in Japanese. He's not learning shit in that class. She was teaching trigonometry in Japanese. He's not learning shit in that class. Uh, So, you know, he doesn't seem like he's interested, so that's fair. Uh, But the... I think something that is cool about this movie is it does introduce you to this like weird drift subculture world, which, big props to this movie, we have officially moved away from reality... When it comes to showing how a racing scene works, the first one had some amount of uh, like deniable plausibility. Well, yeah, th- th- I mean, car groupies were the majority of the crowd. Yeah, a- and it-, it was street racing, so y- you know it's an illicit activity. There's some buzz around it. You, mm-hmm. you can. I mean, the second one they had a straight up concert, basically. Yeah. And that, that one kinda stretched on the, the believability. But I really love that uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the fuck you. It doesn't matter which country. The car scene is the exact same. Yes. The it's styles th- might be a little different, but the women will be in skimpy outfits and cowboy hats. Yes, always cowboy hats for some reason. And and the guys will all be talking engines, no matter what country no matter what language. Cars are the universal unifier. And it's crazy to me that uh, this movie is set in Japan, and I think it has the least amount of, like, uh, leering at Asian women. Probably because there were so many. I don't know if you can do that joke when over 90% of your cast is asian uh but that's where we meet the dk the drift king the donkey kong who's gotta be one of the more interesting villains of the fuck you so far because we actually know a little bit about him. yeah i mean considering the villain of the first movie was non-existent uh if well vin diesel i guess i guess johnny tran like yeah johnny tran was the was the bad guy uh, for like a minute? For a minute. And the second one, you get no backstory, and the, the guy does no crime during the movie. Yeah, you get a bad guy whose character development is he wears a black-on-gray suit. Uh, and then the third one, you get, uh, DK... Drift King. Takashi? Yeah. I think his name's Takashi. I only picked up Sean and Han, because they rhymed. Uh, so, Takashi is they say he's Yakuza, he's not. He's just, like, the nephew of a Yakuza dude. Which is, like, the coolest place to be. And uh, and Takashi is alright, as far as villains are concerned. I mean, he's, he's like, a prick. He's really kind of the best villain that the fuku has. Yeah, so far. Because, like, he's undeniably a prick. He's possessive of this foreign girl whose name slips from... Nila. Nila. But at the end of the day... He's, he's talented. He's, yeah. he's like the only villain so far that's actually raced cars. Yeah, he's the, he's the only villain that has like been good at the thing the movies are about. <laughs> and, uh, so through Takashi, we get introduced to my, one of my favorite characters in the FAQ, and that is Han. Han! Yes. Han's amazing. Han is the best character in this movie. In a, in a movie that generally has characters that are just kind of caricatures, Han is conflicted, gentle, rich, kind he- of scary, mysterious, has really good dialogue, is really well acted. Has a great philosophy about how to approach life. And it's like, you know, who you choose to surround yourself with determines who you are yeah and he's like i'm choosing you because i think you're a good person so hopefully that might make me a good person like he's conflicted he's got these personal demons he's obviously running from something Mm -hmm. han is great and and i wrote this down and then later had to scratch it out first traumatic death of the fuck you yes and then i added on Jesse Dink got shit on. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, th- it's uh, amazing to me that this movie introduces maybe my favorite, maybe second favorite character next to Tyrese uh, into the FQ, unceremoniously murders him, <laughs> effectively locking him out for the rest of the franchise. Which makes me extremely sad, except, except for... Th- Except for a secret fact, this movie happens in the future. With all the flip phones and thick laptops they're using, it actually takes place in the g-damn future. It's the there was a really good sequence for the final race in the film, and I think it was supposed to like somehow show that you could they could watch the cars no matter where they were on the track. Mm -hmm. But we went from cell phone to cell phone, yeah, through some weird filtery wiggly shit. To show that all of the phones were broadcasting the race. And that is the most, like, advance we've gotten with these shots. My theory is that the cell phones, this is the future. And flip phones are in vogue again. And that is the only way that flip phones are able to look at video of that quality. Right? That That is my earnest belief. And now we take a pause for the second... Corona-nita. It's almost like I've had a full corona. <laughs> After I finish this one. <laughs> and then there's only one left for each of Yay! us. Uh, but no, Han gets unceremoniously killed. Huge, huge bummer. Could not believe that that happened. When Han dies, the uh, only character that I cared about died. Yeah. Twink. <laughs> no, Twinks. Twinks <laughs> still alive. There are two driving forces in this movie. And, and then maybe it, maybe my problem with Sean Boswell is like as much as he does in this movie, a lot of a lot happens to him. Yeah. He doesn't like he's trying to drive it forward, but then like Twinkie hooks him up with like the car scene. Mhm. And then Han hooks him up with a car. Mhm. And Boswell is incapable of doing anything for himself. Yeah, he's purely reactionary. Outside of other people's help. Like, he's got a problem. He thr- he, he, he challenges anyone to a race, even if he doesn't know what the race is. Yeah, he's, he's like a secondary character. Or uh, he's like the protagonist in an anime, in that he's got one thing he wants to and knows how to do, and he keeps doing it. One thing I, I just to back up a little bit. One thing that I really like in this movie is that it, it sets up uh, Sh- Sean's character flaws really early, and we can show that it shows him develop over time. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, in that first race, he can't turn for shit. Yes, he has trouble turning. Uh huh. And then this whole movie is teaching him how to drift. It's really... And that is his only character flaw. His only character flaw. <laughs> is we, he can't turn for shit. I, I really appreciate in the first race, it really hammers the point home, he seriously does not know how to turn in a car at all. <laughs> and, like, the movie the movie belabors this point. Multiple turns are shown of him taking it wide, or him yeah. kind of, like, fishtailing. Mm-hmm. And then even in the first drift race... Almost every single turn, he hits that car. Yes. On something. On another car. On a wall. The movie hammers time and time again. And then the first time we see him practicing, he still sucks. Yeah. The movie wants to drill it into our bones. He doesn't know how to turn. And that's that's why I wrote the note with a question mark. Let's see. Is this guy... Like the mentally challenged guy of the f of the fuck you, is he like, like? Because everyone else that we've seen drive knows how to drive. Just yeah. like we don't see them train. We see we see O'Connor do like a speed test in the first yeah. movie, but we he, see him do a hot lap, and that's about it. And that's about it. No one else trains except for this guy. Yeah, and so I think it's an established fact in the in, in the fuck you because he like they even show. He asks Han why he does this, and then like he pulls up to these fly honeys in the middle of an intersection. We want—I want to talk about that later, but, but well, well, just to just to gloss over it a little bit. They're in a they're in a tricked out car. Yes. So maybe in the fuck you, everyone knows how to fucking drive like a badass, but he doesn't. Except for this one guy. But he's got pluck. He's got <laughs> pluck and attitude. I, I really I really do appreciate that about his character because everyone else in the you has been uh, preternaturally talented. And then when he's about to drift, he's like, give me a 30-second lesson on drifting. And I think Twink tries to explain to him, and he's like, he explains it, he sees nothing behind his eyes, and he's like, forget it. <laughs> Just go for yeah. it. Yeah, he was like, you know, what you gotta do is pull on that e-brake, and once you pull on that e-brake, and they got like... There was nothing. He was looking into a plank of wood with soulless eyes. Death like a doll's (laughs) eyes. Yes. I feel like every day that Sean Boswell wakes up, he goes, I'm going to race today. And he doesn't know what or how or why. And this is is something that my girlfriend said to me that I thought was really funny. Uh, Which speaks to his character. uh, And it's kind of messed up. But when Han... Not Han. When uh, DK finds out that he went on a date with Neela, he goes and he beats him up during his drift training. And he says, if I see you around Neela again, the only thing you're going to be racing is a wheelchair. To which my girlfriend said, I gotta learn how to drift a wheelchair now? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is... Yeah. That that's his character. It's Kudos. like I, I don't Kudos. I don't know what I'm driving, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I gotta learn how to drift in a wheel. That is Applause. Yeah. yeah. Really it's, well done. It's absolutely true of his character. <laughs> he yeah. You you've heard of like what happens when an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object. He's like the dumbest object on earth. Yeah. And everyone around him, Han, Twinkie, DK, even the little crony guy that he later beats. Morimoto. Morimoto. They're like the smartest objects (laughs) on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. And we're just seeing what happens when the dumbest person collides with, like, geniuses. I, uh, I appreciate his arc, which is, idiot learns to drift... And then gets an extremely powerful engine and extremely capable car and wins. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the one thing I want to go back to, and this is the part of the movie that I disagree with the most and makes me very angry. Uh, Han rolling up to, and, uh, also we have not said Han's actor's name for the performance that he gives. I think we should probably say his name. It's Soon Kong. He's Soon really good. Kong. Uh, he's fantastic. And when he, when he says, you want to see why I drift, This is like a dream. I don't think that this scene actually happens in the movie because there are a bunch of really artful shots of these two women just hanging out in a tricked out car in an extremely tricked-out car. These women are not in the movie. These women aren't characters. They don't have lines. They aren't anywhere else. He says, let me show you why I drift. They are parked in the dead center of an intersection. Han approaches, does donuts around them for what feels like an eternity. They hand him a piece of paper. He drives away. That has to be a dream. How does that, why are they stopped dead center in the middle of an intersection? No one is there. What is going on? John, that's why he does it. You're <laughs> right. That's, that's why he does that's it. That's why he does it. It's, I mean, if he had like, nodded his head and, like, cut back to the women and, like, their heads were lizards and then it just woke up and Sean was dreaming, totally would have bought that. But that wouldn't explain why he did it, whereas that scene, unarguably, inarguably, Yeah. Demonstrated why he does it. Which, at the end, Sean is like, I get it. I'm like, what do you get? You know why? You know why. This is absolutely true. You know why they had Sean say that line? Because mm-hmm. the audience doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But as and, long as the other character does, we're going to roll with like, it. Oh, if this dumb shit gets it, I, I guess I get it. That that was such a bizarre scene to me. So weird. It, it is one of the more <laughs> problematic scenes of the movie. Not problematic in the sense of like social justice, but problematic in the sense of, I don't know what we're supposed to get from that. Yeah. He does it for the ladies, but, like, he literally has a club full of models. Yeah. And they live there. Oh, also, can we talk about the fact that this movie is actually kind of genuinely problematic? Oh, yeah, no. Its attitude towards women is super problematic. I feel like... But uh, then again, this is the fuck you. Inexplicably, in the FQ, I feel like up until movie three, the presence of... Now, hear me out the presence of and the importance of women is steadily going down. It started with uh, Fast 1. You have uh, Jordana Brewster, Mia, her name, Michelle Rodriguez, who played Lita or whatever. Letta. Letta. But but tell me, I'll listen, what did they do in the movie? I mean, yeah... There was a lot of respect. Michelle for them. Rodriguez was a criminal. She was she had multiple roles. She was one of the drivers, that's she, true. She had a, a slight depth of character even though she must mostly just existed to fuck Vin Diesel. Mia also had a depth of character. Now I feel like the portrayal of women in Too Fast was actually worse because there was only one woman really. And for the majority of the movie, she was like denigrated for sleeping with this guy. At the end, though, she knew best and ended up arresting him, and that's cool. Well, I, well, I feel like I feel like that's more of a, a stronger testament because we the movie perceives her as just sleeping with this guy, and she reveals that that's not true. Yeah, and you know she was undercover; she wasn't just a, okay. Like, like she was stronger for mm-hmm. for still being the cop at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. What I'm going to say is, the first movie is a product of a horrible era. 2001, the worst. The early 2000s, they got that slur in there that's going to forever mar that that Really. The second one is still in that era. The third one, also, like, but pay attention in the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Okay. Because you can steadily see uh, society getting a little more woke with each movie. That's great. Because, boy, society's not woke in this one. Yeah, Nyla never races. She she drives. Yeah, Nila never races. She she drives, but, like, her character can best be described by when Sean and DK are fighting. And she is framed between them, just looking at them, not saying anything. It's like, accurate. That's, yeah. That's all her character does. I mean, the first three of these movies, without diving too deep into, like, academics, is pure male fantasy. yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see where they go, for sure, because I have heard good things about representation. Also, do we want to talk about how this is a pretty passable anime? I know we touched <laughs> on it before, but it's unbelievable how much of an anime this movie is. I literally wrote... Uh, one of my notes is, this is the exact opening of Persona 5. Yeah, new town. A cr- Like, someone is charged with a crime, mm-hmm. they have to move to a new town, mm-hmm. and they immediately, like... Get into stuff they shouldn't be getting into. Get into stuff in high school. Enter strange dimensions. You know, yeah, uh, but but also like uh, getting getting tru- like getting mixed up with the trains, mm-hmm. and then being late for the first day of school. Yeah, that's still Persona Five. I really feel like whoever wrote this movie watched a lot of anime and wanted to make an anime movie. And I gotta say, for for all of the uh, negatives that I have against Sean Boswell, he does pull off that Japanese schoolboy attire. Yeah, it's definitely. A, I was thinking while I was watching it, maybe we could benefit from having such such dashing school uniforms. And I gotta say, like for all of the demerits that this movie has, the style is off the charts. It's a much more pleasurable movie to look at than the previous two. And I don't know if that, like, subconsciously, like, they showed Shibuya. Yeah. Like, three times, and that is the fashion district of Tokyo. I don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone knows that. Hmm. I do. Okay. (laughs) I I know that. I don't know if that, like, tapped into my subconscious, but, like, even, like, one of the, the first racer guy. The guy, I don't know, the guy who's, like... Ready? Set oh bow. God, that's so cool. The, that guy is so cool. Yeah, I was like, "What's that guy's story?" He's yeah. the most well dressed person here. The he, most well dressed. He's so well dressed. He's so on it. He's so cool. Like he just saunters up to the cars. I bet that guy is like head of the yakuza, <laughs> and we don't even learn about him. He's probably actual yakuza. This movie had a couple things. We're uh, we're pretty late in the episode. We can go full spoiler. Two things that really blew my mind about this movie: Number one, fucking Sonny Chiba shows up as the yakuza boss, okay. Mister Kamada. Yeah, uh, Sonny Chiba, like renowned martial artist, great, great Asian film star. He did a great job. He did a he did a really good job, uh, and he also uh, portrayed perfectly as a character. What I genuinely believe that his character was thinking, which is when Sean Boswell comes in requesting a race uh and it's like a loser leaves town match he's like that sounds like a fun sunday fuck it yeah Yeah, he's just like you know this nephew is kind of a shithead and if he loses i don't care and also like he he to gain access to mr kamada he just has like a tiny purse filled with like i don't know a few thousand dollars so i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure when kamada sees that he's like Whatever. I think the implication is it's the money that Han has oh, been skimming gotcha. from from uh, the partner, which is DK. Yeah, he's returning it. That's why he has that line. He's like, I know this money was yours to start with. Yeah, because but Twink gives him that money because Han gave it to Twink to hide. Oh, I got gotcha. you. They would go after Han mm-hmm. for the money, and if he didn't have it, then I I don't know if they would kill him or not. But they wouldn't go after Twink because they didn't really know about Twink. Okay. That makes sense. See, it's all it's all laid out in the subtext, John. Oh man, this movie has so much subtext. I do have to say, oh my god, this is this is a nitpick. Mm-hmm. I guess it's totally fair. You can't have your character, your main character, multiple times say, "Sorry, I don't speak Japanese." <laughs> yeah. Multiple times throughout the movie, but then when you want them to, when you want to make an American look badass. And you're going up to the, you know, someone that is like, I want to show respect. Mm-hmm. And he speaks to him to his own language. Bull fucking shit. Yeah. He did not learn how to speak fluent Japanese just for this one conversation. If if Sean Boswell has been so bad at learning throughout the whole movie <laughs> thus far, pretty sure he didn't just pick up Japanese out of nowhere. Unless we're supposed to like... There is a line very early on in the movie. And if we're supposed to take this literally, I will eat a hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, I speak fluent Japanese. <laughs> he meets Nala. Nila. No, the <laughs> lion Nala from The Lion King. He meets Nila. And, like, he repeats her name. And she says... Oh, you're a fast learner. (laughs) And I think it's supposed to read sarcastically because, like, she literally just said And he's also obviously not a fast learner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless we're supposed to take that line literally, there's no way in hell. And why would you want to show respect to a Yakuza boss? Uh, maybe so they don't kill you. My read on... The Yakuza don't... They don't kill. Yeah. They cut. They cut... And there's a really neat detail in the Oh, movie. yeah, the guy who, like, waves off the race is missing fingers. Yeah, every mistake you make in the Yakuza, every time you dishonor them, you lose a finger. Uh, but I really believe that Mr. Kamada was, like, when Sean came in and gave him the money back, it was, like, it was, like, a 10-year-old showing up to you and being, like, I'm sorry we stole this $20 from you. <laughs> like... He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I doubt the cut from his nephew's whatever business, whatever that is, the gambling hall. That's not really a gambling hall. The the tide. I don't know. Wait, it was a it was a pachinko machine. It was a it was a pachinko parlor, but there was mahjong in the back. Yeah, I, I doubt that cut is represents any large portion of the yakuza, the, like that yakuza boss's uh, money. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not super concerned about it. And then the other. Uh, I got very scared about your beer. Uh, and then the other thing that happens that blew my mind that, okay, so the ending of this movie from the final race to the credits hooked me. So the movie was very dumb, but the final race was really well shot, really dramatic. I Probably the best race of these movies so far. Probably the, the best shot, mm-hmm. and also... No, really just the best shot race. Yeah. Best shot, like, dramatic, like, very cool. Uh, Good stakes. Really kind of did my favorite thing that the first Fast and the Furious movie did, where I'm like, the vehicle that the protagonist is driving is a manifestation of everything that's happened in the movie thus far, which the first one had. Like, it, uh, it's an American body with Japanese parts? Yeah, so it's, it's his dad's vehicle, it's his lineage, but it's got Han's uh, Nissan Skyline engine in it. So it's like a super powerful engine in an American car. So like, that is like the Paul Walker thing and the Vin Diesel thing. It's like, it's a representation of him in car form. I thought that was cool. It's his stand. Yes. (laughs) To keep the persona thing going. Uh, It's his uh, Jojo. Yeah. And Jojo, they're called stands. Oh, they're just called personas. In In persona. persona. They're called personas. You know, it's kind of... Is Sean Boswell a Jojo? He might be a Jojo. His name's actually John, Sean, <laughs> Boswell, Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Joestar. You gotta put Joestar somewhere. Oh, man. you're right. Uh, but the the race was very cool. I really liked it. And then the thing that happened at the end, fucking Dom Toretto. That was amazing. I'm sorry. Uh, look. These movies have poisoned our minds. No. I lost been, my shit. I, yeah. I did too. I was amazed. Yeah. I uh, was I was speechless. There was a moment where I think Twinkie, Twink, 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 Twink. This guy wants to some guy says he wants to race you. And he's been beating all the other racers around Asia. All of Asia, apparently. <laughs> but he also says like he knew Han. He mm-hmm. said Han was family. Yeah. I was like From that line I was like, no. No, it's no, it can't be. I wrote Han was family because I was like, see? Family, it's a big thing. And then Don Toretto shows up. I'm like, of course. Because family's tattooed on his face. <laughs> yeah, the when when Dom Toretto shows up as someone who... I was not a big fan of this movie. I know I'm talking about generally in the positive and the jokey. I don't think... We'll talk about it in the tier list. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I love this movie for all of the wrong reasons. I I, I don't like the movie itself, but I love... The ambition, the experimentation. Yeah. The fact that I got to make the, the observation that each movie is a hybrid of something and this is a hybrid of a Japanese anime and an action movie. Yeah. I can fall in love with that because I watch anime for days. I am a degenerate. Yeah. Not gonna argue that. <laughs> uh, but when, when Dom Toretto shows up, I, I got really emotional. I felt really good. I felt, oh, uh, it was such a good thing. It was so good because the thing is, I was not a a huge fan of this movie, but seeing Dom brought it all down. I was like, yes, gorgeous return to to center. It's all part of a whole. So good. The only way it could have been better is if when Dom turned to him, he just had like an eye patch. It's like, (laughs) how did he get that eye patch? How did he get that eye patch? (laughs) No, like, Don showing up and he's like... That's an American muscle car. And Tom's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck do you know? Do you know how many movies I will be in by the time you come back? No, you don't, and neither do I. But I mean, just think, put yourself in the D-Box theater seat of the person who went to go see Tokyo Drift. In Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, Vin Diesel did not return. I looked into it. There's nothing official that he chose not to return, but the... I think the writer said there was two scripts, one for if he chose to return, one if he if he didn't. So the implication is, for Too Fast, Too Furious, since Fast and the Furious made him very famous, he just chose to not... Maybe it didn't work with his schedule, but he wasn't going to be in it. So going into Tokyo Drift, you have a new person. You have... Um, entirely new cast. Entirely no new cast. No your, your assumption then, with the amount that it changed from one to two, is, oh, these movies are like going to be anthologies, I guess. that This cast that I love is not part of it. And then, out of fucking nowhere, Vin Diesel shows up and you're like, yes, it's all part of a whole. <laughs> and it's it, all coming back together. This is... Ye- years before Nick Fury shows up at the end of Iron Man. Yes. And, and so it's like some, this is really the first s- something like this had not been done before. Yeah. This you, is you don't you you didn't see car- like big names coming back for teaser things at the end of movies. Like this was the the bait on the hook. Yeah. And then we had to wait we have to wait and wonder for 3 years. I might want to double check on this, but I think the FQ might actually be the original cinematic universe. That's not true, dark universe. You're right. The the, the, the Dooku. The Dooku. Well, the original Dooku. Yeah. Like the one oh, yeah, the one true. that established Yeah. Those monsters in the same universe. That is the original. Yeah, but I like these monsters better. <laughs> <laughs> but the the fu- the fuck you is probably the most successful one. Well, it just got recently dethroned, <laughs> Yeah, but of the 2000s. Of the 2000s, definitely the, the most successful uh, early 2000s, but, like, I got stoked. I, going in to watch these movies, I never imagined that I would be so stupidly emotionally invested that when Dom Toretto shows back up, I get, like, goosebumps. I 100% thought, it's Brian. They got Brian to come in, mm-hmm. and when I saw Dom, I was like, "No, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> There's no way." Yeah, it's what is happening, and like my brain melted a little bit. It's it's such a good reveal, really the master stroke of this movie. I'm just so happy because now, now it gets good, John. Now right. it gets good. Uh, so I want to run through something really quick. Uh, we are approaching the latter days of this particular supp- supplemental reading. Uh, so what I want to do, if we're okay with it, is... First of all, I want to run through the two metrics that we've been keeping track of so far. Oh, okay. Number one, coronas per film. So the coronas per film for this movie... One, the character is underage. Yeah, that makes it tough, and but not s- impossible. And for some for some reason... He will illegally street race, but no one will offer him drinks. There, there are no drinks being offered. So what we've got is fast one, about 12. About 12 Coronas. Fast two, zero. Because it was, too fast. Fast. it was in Miami. Tokyo Drift, a big fat goose egg on the Coronas again. <laughs> no Coronas. No Coronas whatsoever. Which begs the question, why are we drinking Corona? Well, see, that's why we're drinking Corona Nita. And maybe if there's no Coronas in the fourth one... It'll be Corona Iota. Can we make a, can we make a promise here on the podcast? If there are coronas in the fourth movie, we will both on the podcast drink a Corona Familiar, which is a huge ass corona to make up for these tiny coronas. Maybe. We'll see. If, okay, I will make that promise. Jesus Christ, my health. <laughs> yes. I will. We don't have to finish them, but we will start Corona Familiar. <laughs> and by the end of Fast 8, we will have finished. <laughs> yes, we will have to get a Jeroboam of Corona. But no, no, okay, if there are Coronas in Fast 4, we will get the c- Corona Familiar. Yes. Who? It's only about, like, I don't know. Is it a 40. It's not a forty, it's it's like a thirty-two. That's not so bad. That's just two sixteens. Yeah, it's like drinking three uh no, it is drinking three coronas, like we've been doing throughout. Yeah, but it's just one. Yeah. Alright. We will drink a Corona familiar each. And the second metric that we are judging these movies by, of course, the time tested fast tier you tier list. Okay, wait, no, hold on. Yours was just like John's list or something. Mine was Henry's fast and loose, hot take, pick 'em, everyone wins. Well, can I come up with a cool new name? Can I, can I come up with a Stop cool? Stop interrupting name? my name. Yeah, everybody loves Henry. Uh, so can I come up with a new name of mine? You, we can share it like you were trying to do. Oh, we don't have to. No, I'll just change my name. I, I think I can make mine as cool as yours. Okay. John Carlist. All right. John Carlist dot notepad. <laughs> uh, so John Carlist. It's fairly interesting because honestly, seeing this movie made me rethink how I'm ranking these movies. Do we rank them on enjoyability now? Uh, we rank them on arbitrary metrics. Okay. Uh, so the way that I feel about, uh, about, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift in the tier list. So just to remind you, I have Too Fast, Too Furious at the top, then I have Fast and Furious on the bottom, and then at the very dead bottom is a turbocharged prelude to Two Fast, Too Furious, keeping in mind the shorts do count. Oh my god. Uh now I think absolutely uh I Oh it's tough though. I really liked Too Fast Too Furious. That can remain at the top. I really liked it. I want to say, here's how here's how it is. Too Fast, Too Furious, number one. Just because I had so much fun watching that movie. Ejecto-Cito, cuz. Uh, by the way, another uh, really incredible moment that I can attribute to my girlfriend. Uh, I was watching it, and you remember the scene where uh, fucking Zachary Ty Bryan is sitting with... His girlfriend in the car. His girlfriend turns to him and go and went. I thought you loved me, and she went ejecto cido, cuz <laughs> <laughs> Really funny, really funny. My girlfriend's funnier than I am. Uh, maybe, number what? Maybe it's time we discuss your contracts here on this show. <laughs> oh shit! To keep bringing in your girlfriend's lines. Okay, I'll I'll keep it to two per year. <laughs> uh, so number one is too fast, too furious. Just because I had so much fun watching that movie, and I love Tyrese. Uh, we ain't hungry no more, bruh. Uh, bruh, bruh. ain't empty, cuz. And we ain't hungry no more, bruh. <laughs> okay. Dumbass movie. Stop quoting other movies. Uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. I guess number one. But it's really close to Tokyo Drift. Actually. Actually, no. You know what? Fuck my list. Number one, Too Fast, Too Furious, just because I had the most fun. You said number, fuck your list, but you number re- two remain the same. Number two is same. actually the Fast and Furious. What? Yes. What? The Fast and the Furious, because... What are you saying with your mouth? When Dom came back, the amount uh, of joy that I felt made me realize that my fondness for the original is much greater than I uh, thought it was. Uh, wait till number four, buddy. Uh, And then, of course, it's Tokyo Drift, which I feel like Tokyo Drift, it's basically a tie. I really liked Tokyo Drift, and I really liked the first one, too, I guess, now in retrospect. And then we have a turbocharged prelude right there at the bottom. Well, my list will be completely different. That's fair. Because there are a few options here. (laughs) Okay. So this is, once again, Henry's Fast and Loose (laughs) Hot Picks. Pick em. I thought you had more car language in here. the best! There you go. Everybody loves Henry! Uh huh. Little Bow Wow's no longer little! Okay. At number one. Yes. Remains to oh, this day. That's bullshit. The Fast. Bullshit. And the Furious. Okay, fine. For the aforementioned reasons. See my previous episode. My. our previous episode. <laughs> because it's actually indicative of the, of the series as a whole. And sets up the groundwork for the great tree. <laughs> you drunk, Yes. Number two. Dominic Toretto is the wolf. Fenrir? Yeah. Number two. Paul Walker is the Midgar serpent. Wait. Nidhogg? Yeah. Stop it. Number two. Tyrese is. Stop. Stop with the Norse mythology. Okay. Number one, the fast and the furious for the aforementioned reasons. Number two is Tokyo Drift. Okay. So you really hate Too Fast, Too Furious that much? <laughs> Number three is a turbofan. <laughs> no, it is not. It absolutely is <laughs> not. That char- is absolutely not. No. <laughs> To do I can't doing. stand this. And a number four. <laughs> no. Coming in a Tell me why. Four. Tell me your reasons. <laughs> Is... Too Fast, Too Furious. How could you put it there? How is the turbo. There's no dialogue! And that's why it's better. How- because there is no dialogue. I can't. I can Who's your favorite character from a turbo church prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious? Brian! God damn it! He's the only goddamn character in it! You know, I thought it would take significantly longer for these lists to become contentious. Ooh, I would not be lying. If. if- My main reasoning for doing this was not just your reaction. That is... But don't worry, John. That is horseshit. When we watch the fourth movie, I'm sure my list will be shaken up. Who knows who will be at the bottom next week. From what I understand, four is a major inflection point in the series. Everything changes. Yeah, the games are changed. Uh, So what I would like to do now, now that we've gotten our metrics out of the way, is I've got a little bit of a surprise for you, Henry. That's right. You alluded to... (coughs) That's right, you alluded to a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, are you okay? I'm coughing! Uh, so, I, uh, I've got a surprise for you. And the surprise is... Now, remember when I said that the short films count? There's As- multiple short films. And remember last time when we watched a uh, turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious? There's a turbocharged prelude to Fast 4? So, Fast and Furious, which is the fourth the one, the fourth one. Uh, there is a short film. Now, you remember that Dominic Toretto returned at the we end. Get his journey to Japan. Here's the thing. You remember Dominic Toretto returned at the end of of Tokyo Drift. He's been beating all the Asian drivers. Remember, we wanted a return to center. Yeah. The Return to Center is a Fast and the Furious short film about the reuniting of the crew written by, directed by, Vin Diesel. And this, we're going to pause it? We are going to pause it and watch the short film Los Bandoleros. I am beyond, and I am not joking, beyond excited. This is, this is the secret. It is the last, uh, Fast and Furious short film, I believe. I don't think you're right. It is the second Fast and Furious short film, and we will get into it right meow. Did you just say meow? So that was, uh, that was better than, uh... That was better than the Turbocharged Prelude. Yeah, it was better than the Turbocharged Prelude, but worse than everything else we've ever seen. You know, that's maybe the longest I've seen in a Fast and the Furious movie uh, where no other thing has happened. <laughs> so for <laughs> they those They talk of you, about a breakout. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, this little short film is 20 minutes long and it's it starts out with a really art House move of like just Dominican people speaking about the problems that Dominican prisoners are facing. Uh, look, big, like, what? 5,000 foot picture takeaway. Yeah. Han and, uh, Dom meet in the Dominican Republic full yeah, a job Yeah, we see Han. So we know Han possibly in the fourth movie. And, uh, Michelle Rodriguez. As Letty is back as Jeez. well. And they, man, are, are, are Letty and Dom going strong? Yeah. It's almost as if Vin Diesel wrote this script to write, I kiss Michelle Rodriguez over and over again. Yeah, uh, I think that's fairly accurate. I think we're ready to rank that one. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much more. I will say, look, cool deep dive into the the, the, the family culture that we're about to see and, and the. Fa- Sorry, excuse amend that statement. In Fast and Furious, yes, with the family, you know, Dom, his weird thing about religion—it's not weird; it's Some normal. Don't call it weird. Yeah. And now, I don't know if you picked this up in that twenty-minute short film, Dom now speaks Dominican. He does speak Dominican. Uh, slightly above Turbo Church Prelude. Slightly above Turbo Church Prelude. So. Th- it actually had story in it. There's dialogue. There's dialogue. There's some art, artful takes. Yeah, there's character development. More character development than most of these characters got in the first film. And a whole lot of making out. Whole, whole bunch of making out. Whole bunch of just kind of being filmed on vacation. Yeah. Uh, so that makes me excited for Fast and Furious. So the official tier list ranking for John's list goes too fast. Fast and Furious, the Fast and the Furious, I should say. Tokyo Drift, Los Mandaleros, Turbocharged Prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. And for Henry's fast and loose hot picks crash. Weep weep weep. Henry's the best. Wedge well, the loser. Yeah, everybody loves Henry. It goes. The Fast and the Furious. Uh-huh. Tokyo Drift. Too Fast and then the Preludes. That's right. Okay, so Los Banderos. Bandoleros. Bandoleros. The supercharged prequel to Fast and the Furious, and then Too Fast, Too Furious. Horse shit. Uh, okay. But we will never agree. We might agree. Eventually. If you pay me. Eh, if no. you pay me to say things on air. That's not good. John, gonna I have an exclusive sponsorship deal. <laughs> you can sponsor my tier list. Next week for the low, low price of $500. I'll think about it. No. Okay. Well, that was your one chance to save Too Fast, Too Furious from the pitchfork shelf. The pitchfork shelf? The bottom floor. Wrong the bottom one. fork. Uh, so I think this is as good a point as any time in the podcast to segue into social media. I think that's good because I am vastly and fastly running out of breath. And you took a bunch of Delsum, and you drank a bunch of beer, so you're probably pretty sleepy. I mean, Delsum's non-drowsy. Is it? Yeah. I've never... No, I've taken it. Uh If you want to tell us stories about which medications you've taken while drinking, feel free to send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We accept literally anything. And if you want to send us your 20-minute videos of you making out with Michelle Rodriguez... Uh, that's pretty unlikely, but you can send those to us at zcpcwhj on twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Shout out to Eric, our good fam, for really engaging us on the Twitter lately. She's been doing a really great job just getting our name out there and liking our tweets, and we just want to show our appreciation by calling her by a fake name on our <laughs> podcast. So thank you, Eric. And that's what ZCPCWHJ stands for. And that's what it stands for in, like, a metaphysical sense. I like it. And, uh, we are on Facebook. Search Zero Credits fucking Facebook podcast on the Facebook search bar. We're in there somewhere. And if you want, nay, you must, if you must, uh, please, hold on, uh, if you must, if you insist... You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, Leave us five stars. If you want to leave us a little one-star review, how about you just uh, take that one star, you fold it up, and you uh, put it up your butt. And we will also (laughs) take three and four star reviews. Yes. We are not afraid of being average. Happily, we will take those. Don't tell our fans to put stars up their butt. I will tell them what I damn well please. And, uh, of course, rate us, subscribe, like, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you can find us. And now the most important thing, and I stress this a lot, but the word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So if you want to learn Dominican and then yell at a child on an emaciated horse about Zero Credits Podcast, that child will then run and tell all of the Dominican prisoners about the podcast, there's a car that doesn't run on electricity. Why do they keep it from us? Big business. Why do they keep us fighting? Oil. Just a bunch of assholes. What's the meaning of a Los Bandoleros? Uh, let me tell you. It's a man who does what he pleases. And let me, let me tell you, let me tell you who makes a Los Bandoleros. A Los Bandoleros all those assholes up there. Big big man in corporate suits makes a low spandolaris. Did you know there's a car that doesn't run on gasoline? And yet they stopped it. Why, why did they stop it? Why, why did they Why did they stop just being... From quiet? everyone here on the island of the Dominican Republic, we want to say they keep raising the price of gasoline. And when they raise the price of gasoline, everything goes up. Milk, bread, rice... Gasoline? (laughs) Gasoline containers? I know you clapped. I did. Clapping? That goes up. Edit points. Yeah, these are edit points. See, the end of the show drags on when they raise the price of gasoline. A happy week. Yay!